welcome back to the Second Crossroads Devotional Thought. We hope this is helpful as you prepare for Easter services. And just as a way of reminder, we want to make sure that you are aware that you're invited to come and participate in a Good Friday service that will be held at South Rock Christian Church on Friday, April 7th at 7 o'clock p.m. In addition, our Easter services will be on Saturday, April 8th at 5 o'clock p.m. and Sunday, April 9th at 7.39 and 10.30 a.m. All of these will be held in the worship center at South Rock. Now, aside from the events of Good Friday at the cross and all of the commotion of Resurrection Sunday, it is perhaps what happens at the Last Supper that is the most famous of occasions that occur on Jesus' journey to the cross. However, it's not just the Last Supper that we find our roads crossing with Jesus. It is a particular incident that comes to light on that Passover. You see, we read in Luke chapter 22, verses 1 through 6. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to put him to death, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered into Judas called Iscariot, who was of the number of the twelve. And he went away and conferred with the chief priests and the officers how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he consented and sought an opportunity to betray him to them in absence of a crowd. Okay, where in the world do our paths cross with this incident leading to Jesus' crucifixion? Let me start by saying, do you remember uh, how an episode of Scooby-Doo would go? You know, Shaggy, Fred, Daphne, Velma, and their dog Scooby-Doo? They would find themselves in trouble at the show's beginning. The gang, as they were called, were robbed, scared, or lost, and their job was always the same. Investigate, discover, and then catch the villain. As a kid, I would always try to see if I could guess who the bad guy was before the end of the episode. And again, as a kid, I always looked at the mean tour guide or the obsessive officer or the bully who was, you know, like the gasoline attendant. But the villain was never whom you were supposed to suspect. The criminal was always the sweet janitor, a really friendly and helpful teacher, or whoever the seemingly good guy was. Or as my wife would tell you, it's the mayor. He's too nice at the beginning. Well, in a similar way, Judas of Iscariot is not the guy that we might suspect at the beginning of Jesus's ministry to be the villain. Luke's account says that Satan entered into Judas. S.D. Gordon wrote in an article titled The Bent Knee that it is startling to think that Satan can actually come into the heart of a man in such close touch with Jesus as Judas was. And more, he is cunningly trying to do it today yet he can get in only through a door open from the inside. Every man controls the door of his own life. Satan can't get in without our help. Now, I don't know about you, but I read of Judas's experience and I'm baffled. If Satan can influence Judas, a man who spent three of his formative years living with Jesus, witnessing his miracles and listening to his teachings, that is so stunning that witnesses claim it is turning the world upside down, then what is the enemy doing with me? I mean, up until Luke 22, Judas was a spiritual giant in the likes of guys like Peter and James and John. Now, sometimes I find myself demonizing Judas. I suppose there is some truth to this, though, since Scripture informs us that Satan is leading him. However, 
when I fall into this trap, I separate myself from Judas. I mean, I would never behave like him. Well, then I read the likes of someone like Dorothy Sayers, who pointed out years ago that God was executed by people painfully like us in a society very similar to our own by a corrupt church, a timid politician, and a fickle proletariat led by profession agitators. Ouch. I may have more in common with the likes of Judas than I initially thought. You know, Jesus' passion, his walk to Calvary, reminds me of another children's story that I used to read to my daughters night after night. It's a story called The Monster at the End of This Book, and it details the fear that Sesame Street's furry old Grover has. The story is very simple. Page after page, Grover is scared as could be, and he pleads with the reader before him not to turn to the next page because, as the title informs us, each page gets us closer to the end of the book, and for the love of all good things, there's a monster at the end of this book. When you read this with a young child, the tension builds with each page. Do we go on and see who the monster is, or do we leave it alone? Grover pleads and begs the reader not to turn the page. Stay away from the monster. The reader, of course, does not follow Grover's advice. And soon, we come to the end of the book. And do you know who the monster is at the end? It's Grover. Grover is the monster that he's scared to encounter. He's the monster at the end of the book. Now, stories like Grover's and even Scooby-Doo's helps us understand Judas's plight a little bit better and shed some light on what Christianity has been trying to teach us all along. A.J. Swadoba coaches us in his book, A Glorious Dark, about this very truth. The villain and the monster aren't who we thought they were. In the gospel stories, everyone fails. Everyone sins against Christ, even the best disciples, even the quote-unquote good guys. The monster at the end of this book is us. You see, this is precisely why the epic of the cross had to happen. Jesus was no stranger to betrayal. Judas's narrative demonstrates that, but so does mine. At the end of the book, I don't see Judas as much as I see myself. And the good news is this, Jesus knew that, and he still treks to the cross. Despite the monster at the end of the book, Jesus still chose to die for you and me. You see, any conspiracy with the enemy has deadly consequences, as Judas found out. But Jesus took on the death at the cross. Take some time to marinate in this truth. Don't be flippant about this. Jesus died not just because of you and me, but for you and me. There is no greater love than this. And as you think about this love, connect your life to this source and live gratefully and thankfully for the one who paid it all monsters and villains. Be blessed and we'll see you further down the crossroads.